Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening to Killer Queens. Or KQ if you're nasty. Welcome to the show where two 90s loving country chicks gab about true crime and tell each other to talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. I'm Torella. And I'm Tori. And we're sisters who have always loved true crime and decided to turn that obsession into a show with a light take on the topic. Kind of like diet true crime, it's all the flavor of fewer calories. Mm. Now with our show, you'll get true crime, 90s nostalgia, and a few four-letter words sprinkled in. Because I always say that Polly Pockets and true crime go together like peas and carrots. Be sure to check out our case submission form on our website at killerqueenspodcast.com and follow us on social media and YouTube. Now grab your Sunny D, your Gushers, and your Thai Beanie Baby, and let's get into the episode. Happy Mixtape. Hmm. You don't like that? Happy, 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 happy Mixtape. I'm so happy today. (laughs) Okay. It's from Liar Liar. <laughs> well, um, I didn't like it here. Oh. I didn't like your version. <laughs> and I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. You would like mine better than the original because a clown sings it. Well, and okay, all right, touche. <laughs> touche. Touche, touche. <laughs> um, all right, well, we've got a case today that yeah, is... Yeah, we do. Unlike other oh, cases, one. yeah, that's not all I'm going to say. We have a case today. Know. Bye. Because we've got a survivor. Yeah. Very interesting. It's crazy. So, okay, let's start by saying thank you to Mark for mm-hmm. writing it up and for suggesting it. Yes, he just read about it online and said, you know what? I'm going to do an episode about it. And here he did. Thanks. Love it. We thank you. And yes, we thank you. Um, Here's an episode description, though. So in July of 2015, Neil Falls responded to an online ad that had been posted by Heather Saul. At the time, Heather was working as a sex worker and agreed to meet with Neil at her apartment with a friend waiting on the front porch for security. It was immediately apparent that Falls was there to, at the very least, harm and more likely kill Heather. She fought back and ultimately killed Falls. When the police investigated, they discovered that there was more to Neil Falls than just a man looking for a sex worker. What a bitch he is, was, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We do have some trigger warnings. We are going to be discussing gun violence, assault, choking and strangulation, mentions of drug use, and death by drug overdose. Yeah. But um, we're, we're taking our asses to West Virginia. Well, and I think we need someone to take us there. Oh, my goodness. What are you doing? You guys, if you're new to the mixtape, because now it's out there, you know. But it's out there. By this point, they're not new to it, though, right? So, you know Hillary's coming. Yeah. Let's go back, back to the beginning, back to when the earth
Okay. So if you couldn't Google it, do you know what the capital of West Virginia is? I'll be Cat Williams. Don't worry. I'll wait. <laughs> I did not know. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's Charleston. I only knew of one Charleston. Thank you. Like, if you knew it, you really paid attention in fourth grade. Okay? Yeah. Apparently, I did not. Well, I know I passed the test, but, like, did they change the capital That's what I'm wondering, because I literally don't, like, other states and, like, capitals, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that now. Like, once I hear it again, I'm like, okay, I remember that now. I have no recollection of ever learning this. No. Not at all. No. So, yeah, there is a Charleston in West Virginia, and it is, in fact, the capital of the state with a population of just under—no, it's over— with a population of just over 48,000 people, Charleston is the state's most populous city. Hmm. West Virginia is not sparse, but you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not that many people. No, not really. I feel bad. The only thing that I really know about West Virginia is from that Country Roads Take Me Home song by, like, John Denver. Yeah, or, like, The Wonderful Whites of West Virginia. Oh, well, sure, 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 sure. Which that, is not—I'm positive is not an accurate representation of West Virginia. N- no. Not everybody in West Virginia. No. Maybe just the Whites. Right. Yeah. I do like that they call it Charlie West. I do, too. It's kind of like your cool friend's nickname. <laughs> really, Charlie West. The city was initially established around salt and natural gas mining, but that eventually shifted to coal mining. As of 2020, 13% of the coal produced in the U.S. came from West Virginia, second only to Wyoming, who produced 41%. Hmm. Charleston is the city where Shoney's was started. Didn't know this either. Initially as the Parquet Drive-In, before being renamed to Shoney's after the owner ran a public contest to rename the business. And they landed on Shoney's. I know. (laughs) That's really funny. It's like, hey, guys, give me all of your name ideas. Like, throw as much at me as I can handle, okay? I can do this. And they're like, what about Shoney's? He was like, yes. I love it. I love it. Um... So at this point, it had expanded to a few different locations. And from there, their footprint grew from a Mm -hmm. franchise deal with big boy restaurants and eventually grew to have around 1,800 restaurants under its umbrella in 1998, spread across 34 states. Tough times followed, though, and the Shoney's parent company declared bankruptcy in 2000. Two years later, they were acquired by Lone Star Funds. Guess what? A Texas investment group, but you didn't... (laughs) put that together. Right. In 2007, the Shoney's chain, now with only 272 locations, was sold again to the owner of Church's Chicken, who has tried to modernize the chain and rebuild. Mm, We must rebuild. Yeah. In 2014, they were down to 165 restaurants in 16 states. As far as I know, it ain't going well for Shoney's. My husband has recommended we eat there three or four times in the last couple of years, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? But where even is one in our city? Like, I see them that— There's not. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I see the building where it used to be, mm-hmm. but— No, there is still one in Franklin, I think, unless— Yeah, because sometimes people turn into it unless it's abandoned and they're doing other things there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to Franklin for that shit. Franklin for Shoney's? For Shoney's, like, yeah. I don't even remember the last time I went to a Shoney's. No, it's been since 1992, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
I did like the bear mascot, though. Oh, yeah. Cute little bear. In 2005, Charleston started what they call Festival Charleston. I like that. Okay. It is a citywide and multi-art festival that takes place over the course of several days. They have 200 um, plus sponsors or partners, 100 plus events at over 50 venues across the city. Over the years, it has grown to include over 800 different artists, performers, and guest speakers. It began as a three-day festival and has grown into an arts organization that serves the community with year-round events and programs. Charleston and West Virginia in general are like many states in the U.S. and other countries throughout the world in that they're facing down the effects of the opioid epidemic. West Virginia often ranks as the number one state for overdose deaths. The county that Charleston is in ranks as the seventh highest in the state. Traditionally, many law enforcement organizations look to use punitive measures when it comes to people who've been arrested for drug use. Some areas in the country, though, are trying to take more of a harm reduction approach. One example is the legalization of naloxone, which is often referred to as Narcan. When naloxone was first starting to be used, Narcan was the brand name that was widely available. Over the years, other generic versions have been made available, but they are oftentimes referred to as Narcan as well. It's kind of like, um, if you need a tissue, you just say, give me a Kleenex. Yep. I don't care what the brand is. It's Kleenex. Yeah. It's not a cotton swab. It's a Q-tip. Exactly. The shift from condemnation and criminalization has taken hold in some law enforcement communities, too. Thank goodness. When former President Barack Obama visited Charleston for a forum on heroin use, the police chief said, quote, this is such an epidemic, you cannot arrest your way out of this mess. Good for him. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of places still haven't gotten that memo. Oh, yeah. Harm reduction is another focus that some have turned to as they feel that the punishment for using or having these drugs forces the users into dangerous situations to obtain them and prevents them from seeking help out of fear of the punishments that can follow. And I would venture to say that this happens in a lot of different areas as well, not just the drug uh, epidemic, you know, like uh, sex workers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean what it, is what's the incentive? Uh-huh. Exactly. And I mean, how many times have we talked about a murder case where somebody has gotten less time than if they had had drugs on them? Right. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. And what good is that doing? It's not. Hey, you guys, have you ever wondered about the backstory, like why we call our dad Miss KB? We have gotten this question so many times, we thought we'd release a little freebie for you. So we recorded a Patreon-exclusive Q&A last year, and be warned, we were outside and there was some wind, Mm -hmm. where we answered this question, and we want y'all to have the answer even if you're not a patron. Yeah, so be sure to head to killerqueens.link slash misskb, M-I-S-S-K-B, and grab the audio. And don't forget, if you want the full Q&A or access to our entire catalog of over 450 patron-only episodes with all our regular episodes ad-free, you can join the Patreon for less than one and a half Starbucks drinks per month. I mean, that's a good deal. It's a steal. It is. It's a steal. You'll get four episodes per week from us, all ad-free, plus anything fun we do like Q&As or literally anything else. So definitely check it out. And not every tier includes every episode. Yeah, we do have different tiers. So just be sure everything's listed out there when you check it out. But in the meantime, be sure to grab your free audio about Miss KB 
and how he came to be called that at killerqueens.link slash MissKB. So in particular, people's addiction can make them do things that they wouldn't normally do or ever see themselves doing. And one of those things is sometimes sex work. So many law enforcement officers view sex work and sex workers in general as drug users by default. They all tend to get put under the same umbrella, which uh, this belief is widely regarded as a fact by the general public based solely on how sex workers are portrayed in the news and media. Something that's got to stop. It's ridiculous. So in July of 2015, one such person was Heather Saul. She was a drug user, and since the incident with Neil Falls, she never tried to hide that fact. When investigators talked to Heather after the incident, they brought up her drug use, which they knew about since they looked through her phone records, and she told them point blank, quote, I've done drugs, yes, but I don't have to have them, and I don't owe anybody anything. If I owed a drug dealer money, I'd be dead. I would be dead. That would be it. After looking through all the information they had, investigators would determine that Falls' attack on Heather wasn't drug-related. I don't know why— Why does it matter? Why it matters, exactly. He attacked her. Yeah, but they're always like, oh, but also she's a drug user. Yeah, but what did she do to deserve it? (laughs) Right. Yeah. If it wasn't that, it would be something else. Well— Mm -hmm. What was she wearing? What was she— Yeah. She is a sex worker, you know? Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. Just because you— Whatever you're— Whatever your line of work ends up being, that doesn't give anybody a free pass to attack you and try to kill you. Exactly. Whatever time you're going through, whether it's drugs or whatever, doesn't give anybody the right to murder you. No. And I mean, look at the, you know, by the time this comes out, this will be further out, obviously, than it is now. But the um, Canadian, like the Saskatchewan stabbing spree that those people went on. Anybody's line of work can put them in harm's way if they're working with the public. You never know who's going to walk in a gas station. You never know who's going to walk in a doctor's office. You never know who's going to walk in the mall. Like, Mm -hmm. you just don't know. You don't know what is going to happen. The problem is evil people or deranged people or whatever. Like, exactly. So frustrating. Yeah, it is frustrating. So, Heather was like many out there who turned to sex work for money to make ends meet. She needed money for food and rent. She would occasionally post ads to Backpage. And Backpage was started as a competitor to Craigslist, and many sex workers used it to advertise their services. As of April 6th, 2018, Backpage has been taken offline, and it was seized by the FBI. There have been several investigations about human trafficking involving sex work ads that were posted on the website. Also in 2018, the Backpage CEO pled guilty to charges of conspiring to facilitate prostitution and money laundering. Hmm. He's two for two there. There you have it. When Heather would post on the website and set up a meet, she would normally have the men come to her apartment, and a friend of hers would stay on the front porch ready to step in if anything bad happened. Heather lived in Charleston all of her life. She said that she had been looking after herself in one way or another since she was 14 years old. After she graduated high school, she enrolled into a community college, but she only stayed for a year. She said that she really didn't have any idea of what she wanted to do, and Heather said that she quit uh, that first year because of the student loans she had to take out. She said that having to take out that loan, quote, gutted her. She was worried about paying it back. She would work odd jobs here and there, but uh, she she ended up being a waitress uh, for a while at various places and was a head cook for a bit. And at one point, she had a place of her own, but... As sometimes happens, things got tough financially, and Heather went back to live with her mother. 
they moved into an apartment in a neighborhood referred to as the Flats in Charleston. She said that it was fast and cheap. She almost viewed it as just a stepping stone to getting back on her feet. And this was an area where the police would rarely come, and there have been shootings in the area before. Heather turned to sex work while living there to support herself and her mother, and she said that while doing it, she was miserable. But when all else failed, she would answer the phone. The day her phone rang and Neil Falls was on the other end, she said she had a sinking feeling in her stomach when the phone rang. She knew why someone was calling that number. When the phone rang, two of Heather's friends were at her apartment. One was Harley, who would sit on the front porch as an extra set of eyes and ears when she would meet a client. Heather talked to Neil Falls for a bit on the phone and they set up a meet. Heather said that Falls called her several times, probably seven or eight, just to get apartment or just to get directions to her apartment. What is happening? He's like driving there and pulling off and does he not have a cell phone? Is he pulling off? How is he calling her? Yeah, like pay phones? Like what is he doing? Because he, yeah, he calls her multiple times and he's like, okay, now how do I get there? Okay, now how do I get there? Yeah. She's well, like, what the yeah. fuck, dude? Yeah, after the last call, she said that if he called again, she would just be like, forget it. Let's just cancel the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like, don't come. But Falls didn't call again. And around 3 p.m., his silver Subaru pulled up to her apartment. And also, didn't it take him like eight hours to get there? Like, he started calling her at like 8.30 in the morning. Yeah. It was insane. Like, I don't know if he was just coming from a different state or what. I have no idea. Very weird. It is very, very weird. So Falls got out of his car. And he made his way to the door. And when he arrived, one of Heather's friends left to go to a nearby grocery store to grab a Coke. I don't know what kind of Coke it is. I didn't ask. Mm. But when she did, Heather's dog, Fancy. <laughs> I hope it was because Reba. I know. So Fancy got loose and took off. And Harley ran after her trying to find her and bring her back home to Heather. So that left no one at the apartment, just Heather and Neil Falls. Heather recalled that he was, quote, real thick, like stocky and short. He seemed short to me. They went into Heather's apartment and Falls was asking if anybody else was there. And he seemed nervous about somebody else being there. So he's looking around the bedroom, checking to see if anybody else is there. And as he did that, Heather walks towards her sofa and then Falls comes up behind her and he puts a gun to her side and said, live or die. Hell no. Mm -mm. Oh my gosh. Mm -mm. So Heather said that was it. Like in that instant, it was a fight for her life. And Falls started to strangle her. And she said that it was unlike anything she had ever experienced. She later said that she had experienced physical abuse before, but this was completely different. He clamped down on her throat. Heather said that she could tell from his upper body strength that he was experienced. Like he seemed to have a method for this. Like, he knew how to keep her completely under control, but she how, kept fighting back. How terrifying. Oh, my gosh. So she goes to hit him in the groin, which knocked him off her briefly, but he quickly jumped back on her. And that's when something inside of her just snapped. And she said her fight or flight instinct kicked in. And she thought if he was going to use this gun, he would have done it already. So she just started to try and scream and fight. She said she was scratching him. She was hitting him. She remembers that he didn't have any teeth. That's just one thing. Like, mm -hmm. But by now they're moving towards the kitchen where there was a door to the outside. So Heather ends up falling into the doorway leading from the living room to the kitchen. 
And then Neil Falls jumps on her and he puts all his weight on her chest. Can you imagine? Like, no. I have thought about this sometimes when like, you know, we'll have like a tickle fight with the boys or something and they'll be like, mom, tickle dad. And I'm like, okay. And so I go to try to tickle him and he just it completely overpowers me and I can't move. And I'm like, if he this just, man- just like flicks you and you fly across the room. <laughs> Exactly. I'm like, if this man <laughs> wanted to kill me, he could do it in a heartbeat. Right. There would be nothing I could do if he wanted to hold me down, you know? Right. And I mean, she described him as- stocky uh-huh. and thick and heather is a small framed yeah. woman she was like a hundred and what five pounds soaking wet yeah yeah she's very small i mean oh it's just it's so scary so as they struggled on the floor falls tells heather to stop struggling and screaming which like is that gonna work dude you're trying to kill her. And he's like, would you be quiet and just let me kill you? I know. Well, God, this is so loud. Yeah, like... The noise, noise, Exactly. Noise. Like, does this work for you, sir? I don't... I don't know. And Heather said that she was just begging him to let her breathe, but he wouldn't let up. Okay. So then Heather notices. And, like, who knows why this was inside the house, but thank God it thank was. God. I know. Heather notices that there is a small rake leaning up against the wall by the doorway. And it's this like small metal toothed rake that Heather would use in the yard to clean up after fancy. Seems like a weird spot for it to be like in the kitchen living room area. But again, thank God it was. Yeah, I was going to say, she's giving me a lot of good ideas because who knows who can come into your house at any given moment. And no matter what, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, it could happen. So I'm just going to start putting random like clue like mm-hmm. weapons mm-hmm. like there's my lead pipe there's my uh rope totally there's my yeah because because you just never know you like just don't know you sure good don't. on her for having it I, I it's a miracle I know I know so she picks up the rake and he sees her pick up this rake and he's like oh fuck so he immediately is like okay I need to get this rake from her so he tries to take it from her used it to pull himself up and he was dragging Heather with him. So if you see like pictures or video of like the area where this happened, the kitchen table is like there's a huge gash in the table from where he used the rake to pull his entire body weight with her up on this rake. And the the uh, one of the, what do you call it? One of the teeth from the rake is bent. Yeah, yeah. So as Falls is now standing both of them up, he lets his guard down. So Heather looks down at the table and she sees that he had set his gun down so that he could get the rake from her because he still has one of his hands around her neck. Hmm. And he's just trying to get this rake away from her. And without hesitation, she said she grabbed it. So he still got his arm around her throat. She, so imagine like you're standing up and somebody is directly behind you and they're got their hand around your throat. And so you, like, she picks up the gun from the table. She kind of turns her arm back behind her, like, over her shoulder, and she pulls the trigger. And she said it was the first time that she had ever even fired a gun. And she's like, if I had pulled that trigger and nothing happened, like, if it hadn't been ready, you know, he had had, like, the safety Safety off off. and it had been, what is it called, cocked or whatever. Yeah. Like, whatever. If all that hadn't been set up right then, she's like, I would absolutely be dead right now because I would not have known how to get it ready to shoot. It yeah, just even if was. she, I mean, I have had a touch of 
training on this. I know how to, like, very rough stuff. You know what I mean? Like, how to hold a gun, how to use a gun, you know? Um, safety, stuff like that. Just for, you know, if you're going to be around a gun, like, I think it's important to know yeah. um, for safety reasons. But even if I had all the time in the world, it would take me some time. Like, I, I would need a minute. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. She's never been around a gun. Exactly. Yeah, that's like... I wouldn't know what to do, you know? I'm like, if somebody broke in here, I'd have to be like, um, can you hold on, bad guy? I need to YouTube how to set this gun up first. Uh, it's literally like Robin Hood men in tights. Like, yeah. excuse me, bad guys. I'm out of air. I'm out of air. <laughs> so like pump it up. Yeah. I would have absolutely no idea what to do. And I mean, you know, she was the same way. She's like, even if I'd had a lot of time, which I didn't, I would not know what to do. I would not have known, you know, even if you mess around with it, like she just didn't know what she was doing. Um, and luckily for Heather, the safety was not engaged and there was a round in the chamber. She said it was deafening, but instantly she could breathe again and she knew it was over. She looked back and uh, I feel so bad for her because obviously, ideally, she would not have had to kill somebody. That's traumatic for her. In, in addition to the trauma of being attacked and all the things, it's like, can you imagine like, even if it's a fight for your life and even if it's, you know, you killed a bad guy, I can't imagine, like, what that would feel like. Well, because, so keep going and we'll talk about when she gets to the... Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she said she looked back and it was just awful. Blood was flowing out as Fall slumped back against the door. And actually, and you can see photos of this online if you look it up. So he was, imagine... Like, he was standing with his back up against, like, a door, and the doorknob is right there. Well, when he shot, his body just slumps over, and his belt got caught on the door handle. And so he's, like, his body is kind of, like, folded in half, like, leaning forward, and he's just hanging there by his belt, like his yeah. waist is. It's pretty how, crazy. Yeah, how eerie and morbid, you know, yes. like, how— Oh, my gosh, it's so crazy. So Heather rushed out of the apartment and she found a neighbor who called 911 and she sat with the neighbor answering questions for the 911 operator until the police arrived about four minutes later. The first officer arrived on scene and Heather told him that her attacker was still inside. Then the officer went in and saw Falls with a gunshot wound to his hand, head, excuse me, his head. He was officially declared dead at 3.59 p.m. And the 911 call is very interesting because like, Mm -hmm. The neighbor calls 911 and, you know, she's saying like, hey, my neighbor, you know, it has been attacked and like all this stuff. And so the call taker is like, OK, so is he like still attacking you or is he like something like that? Like is yeah. what is still happening or whatever? She's like, no, I shot him. I'm pretty sure he's dead. And the woman goes, oh, oh. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like, no, bitch, this is fucking serious. I'm yeah. not kidding right now. Exactly. So Heather was taken to the police station where photos were taken of her hands, chin, and marks on her neck. Dude, she was beat up. Yes, she was. I mean, holy shit. And it is so, so sad to hear her, I guess, not being inter interviewed, being interviewed, we'll say that, because she is hysterical and mm -hmm. sobbing and she's like I didn't want to kill him I didn't mean to kill him like she's so upset understandably so but it just breaks your heart yeah he was trying to kill me he was trying to kill me like mm -hmm. oh it's and so I felt awful so bad. it was 
sweet to see the way her mom was interacting with her because her mom oh. was there and she was like, baby, I I don't know what that's like. I'm so sorry. And she's mm-hmm. like, mom is here though. Mama, mom is here. Oh, it's just so sad. It is. It's so sweet. So while she was there, the officers told her that she needed to go to the hospital, but she was pretty hesitant about that. She was black and blue. She was bruised all over. But she knew that going to the hospital was going to be a large bill that she would have to pay eventually. And that is so heartbreaking to have to make a choice like that and be like, well, I don't have the money to pay for a hospital bill. Like, right. it's just and so that's sad. Expensive. It's very expensive. Um, she did go, though. They did a CT scan and an MRI. You know, that shit was expensive. Um, they discovered that but she had a— they did. Yeah. Uh, she had a dislocated shoulder and a broken back from the struggle with falls. I mean, and again, like, remember, he had his—both of his knees on her and his full weight was just on her back. She, st- she stood up with a broken back. And strangle her. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I, it's just—it's in, incredible that she was still able to do what she did, you know, uh-huh. and walk out of there. Yeah. It's just crazy. And then sit down and tell the story and then, yeah. Yes. You know, they've, yeah, they've got her in an interrogation room or interview room or whatever you want to call it. And she's got fucking broken ribs or a dislocated shoulder and a broken back. Mm-hmm. Like, can we maybe ask questions after she's received medical care? Like, oh my God, don't even. Wouldn't you was put her in an ambulance first? Um, What was his name? Ryan Why Waller? can't I think of his name? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's exactly who I'm thinking of. You look like you have a scratch on your head. The gunshot wound. Thanks. Into my face. Mm-hmm. And my head. Like, uh, to, mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, my gosh. And he's totally, like, talking nonsensically like he has a brain injury. Like, okay. Perfect. Yeah. And they're like, quit lying to me, boy. <sighs> Jeez. Anyway. 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 And she just wanted to get home, you know, obviously. Um, after the entire ordeal, she was worried, too, because her little dog, Fancy, was still missing. She said that she was out searching for her and eventually left some food out by the door, just hoping that Fancy would come home. Ugh. That's sad. It's, just, it's so much tragedy in one day. I know. So not much is known about Neil Fall's life. He was born in Oregon and was one of 10 children. A lot of damn kids. A lot of damn kids. Falls grew up in various cities throughout Oregon and during his younger years began to show an interest in firearms in the military. He collected guns and military paraphernalia and those that knew him said that he wasn't known as someone who would drink or take any types of drugs. After high school, he started working various jobs, mostly low-skilled labor positions. In 1992, he moved to Kansas where he lived with his father until his father died in 1995. After that, he returned to Oregon and became a private security guard. This is just the type of guy you want. Exactly. Running security. So his fingerprints were entered into the national database. Falls relocated again in 2000 to Nevada and spent the next eight years working as a security guard at the Hoover Dam. I wonder if he took anybody on a damn tour. (laughs) Got any damn bait? Okay. Um, around this time, Falls began to exhibit signs of, quote, deviant behavior, and that included abusing animals out in the desert regions of Arizona. In his spare time, Falls kept the company of sex workers and in the mid-2000s took a trip to the Philippines to take part in their sex tourist industry. I think it's tourist. Tourist industry? Sex tourist industry? I'm not familiar with the sex tourist 
industry. Sex. I don't either. I guess in the Philippines. Let's see. Sex tourist countries. A number of countries have become popular destinations for sex tourism. What does that mean? I have more questions than answers, honestly, but um, we'll have to look into that later. Um, Just to get some clarification on what this means. But, you know, Neil Falls participated, went all the way to the Philippines for it. So in 2008, Falls was forced to quit his job as a security guard because he was sexually harassing a fellow worker. For the next few years, he relocated several times to Oregon, Indiana, Kentucky, and Texas. Wherever he went, though, it seemed like he was being pulled over constantly for traffic violations. And some reports say that between 20 and 30 times during that time, with the last one occurring in Texas, and this was 11 days before his attack on Heather. He was caught on the officer's body cam, and the officer asked Falls where he lived, and he said he was basically homeless, just traveling to West Virginia. He was like, and you you can see his head, but just for a split second, it doesn't stay there. But he's like, you know, I don't know where I'm at, and I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. He's like, okay. okay. Yeah, he's like, so you're living in your car? And he's like, just until I get to West Virginia. All right. In January of 2015, a woman that Falls was dating told him that she was married and having an affair with him. The same month, his mother passed away, and after these two events, Falls' emotional state shifted, and he became conflicted with himself and disorganized in his everyday life. In April of 2015, he returned to Oregon to attend additional training classes as a security guard, and after those classes, he went back to Texas, and then he went to West Virginia. When investigators began to come over the scene, they quickly came to the conclusion that Falls was there for one thing, and that was to kill Heather Saul. They found four sets of handcuffs in his pockets. That's disturbing. Why? Mm -hmm. Then they searched his Subaru, and they found a machete, axes, knives, a shovel, a sledgehammer, bleach, plastic bags, bulletproof vest, clean socks and underwear, and a large tote that was plastic— Big enough to fit a body. Okay. What would you call that, Tarella? I would call that a kill kit. Yeah. Yeah. And you are definitely going to want the clean socks and undies because you don't know, you never know when you're going to end up spending the night somewhere, you know? Well, and I, if there's one thing I have learned over the years is that if you're going to be somewhere for four days, you need to pack at least 10 pairs of underwear and socks. A hundred percent. Yep. What if you wet yourself every day? I know. Twice a day. Twice a day. I know. Hey, you guys. Um, it's us again. Yay. It's us. We threw, we threw you for a loop on this one. <laughs> uh, so we know that a lot of you have been asking like WTF, where are episodes one through 44? And guess what? Now you can have them. So let's just remember, though, we need you to take a little caution here. We didn't know exactly what we were doing back then. And we started this podcast as just a fun thing to do as sisters. We had no idea that it would grow into this super awesome club with you guys. So what we're saying is the audio wasn't super amazing, but the content is 100% us just being us and talking about some true crime with 90s flair. Okay, so here are the details. You'll be able to access our what we're calling OG episodes in your favorite podcast app through a private and custom RSS feed link. So to grab that, head over to killerqueens.link slash OG and snag episodes one through 44 today. That's killerqueens.link slash OG. 
They also found a piece of paper with the names and phone numbers of six other women who were also sex workers. Investigators suspected that this could be a list of victims or potential victims. Five were located across West Virginia and one was in San Diego. And all were found to be alive and well. Thank the good Lord in heaven. Was he like, it's very unclear as to like, what was he in West Virginia for? Did he come just for these like listings that he'd found? I don't know. Because there's four other women in West Virginia, or five other women in West Virginia that he had written down. Yeah, my... My initial thought was maybe he had gotten into some trouble or something in another state. So he's like, well, I got to pack up and move. And then he knew, okay, I'm going to go to West Virginia. So then he starts looking people up. Mm, Yeah, because it seems like he came from another state to West Virginia on the day of this meeting. Yeah, my initial thought was Texas to West Virginia, Mm -hmm. right? I don't know. It's very strange. Investigators used Falls' MO and the items they found and compared it to places that he was known to have lived. So using that, they suspect Fall's involvement in at least nine murders or disappearances involving sex workers. When he lived in Nevada, four sex workers disappeared, three of whom were later found dismembered in California, Illinois, and Nevada. Jeez. All of the women advertised on internet ad sites, just like Heather Saul had done. Six more women were missing in Chillicothe. I think it's Chillicothe. Okay, Chillicothe, Ohio which was only a two-hour drive from Charleston. Though there was no evidence that Falls was ever there, he's still considered a suspect in the case. Falls was also investigated as the I-70 killer, a series of uh, murders along Interstate 70 throughout the Midwest. Falls lived in Kansas at the time, but has been ruled out as the killer at this point. His possible victims include Jody Brewer, 19, who disappeared from Las Vegas in August 2003, Her torso, wrapped in plastic, was found later that month near Interstate 15 in San Bernardino County, California, south of the Nevada border. Lindsay Marie Harris, 21, when she disappeared from Henderson in May 2005. Her legs were found near Interstate 55, south of Springfield, Illinois, three weeks later. Misty Marie Sands, 25, when she disappeared from Las Vegas the same month as Brewer. Partial remains are found in the desert on a road leading to Red Rock Canyon National Conservation Area near Las Vegas. Tiffany Sayre, 26. Shasta or Shasta Himmelrich. Charlotte Trago, 28. Tamika Lynch, 30. And Wanda Lemons, 38, are the murdered and missing women from Chillicothe, Ohio, that falls as a possible suspect. Jeez. Mm Mm-hmm. So after Falls was killed, the media descended upon Heather, and all she wanted was to be left alone. There were online fundraisers set up by various people and organizations who claimed to be trying to help Heather. Many of them came with stipulations of things they wanted Heather to do in order to get the money. That's not helpful. No, it's not. That's, um, in fact, kind of turning it into a job. Exactly. That's that's unhelpful. She didn't ask for it. After everything, though, Heather just wanted to try to you know, get her life put back together. A few weeks after the attack, someone broke into her apartment and robbed her of the few things she had to begin with. I'm so mad about this. Like, leave her alone. Yeah. She's been through, has she been, had not been through enough? Like, can you, somebody fucking. It's so awful. And she, she suspects that, you know, somebody saw her name in the paper and thought that she would have, like, money or cash from all the attention, but she didn't. So they just robbed her 
of what she had. I mean, it's awful. Mm. It pisses me off because she's been through such a traumatic ordeal all by itself. Being attacked, one. Having, being forced to shoot and kill someone. Right. It was his life or hers, Mm -hmm. right? Then being thrust into the media. Didn't want that at all. And then on top of that, somebody preying on that and being like, ooh, I bet she's got some money. And then breaking into her house and stealing the only things that she has left. It's so, I mean, like, can you be any more of a dirtbag? Why can't we leave people alone? Leave her alone. Exactly. It's so awful. Many people believe that Falls was an active serial killer and what Heather did that day saved lives. I 100% agree. But it's so sweet and so sad because she has said, and I mean sweet, like she's so humble, but she's like, I don't consider myself a hero. Yeah. Like I don't, you know, she's very, very humble about the whole thing. And she's just like, you know, maybe I did save somebody, you know, him from killing somebody else, but she doesn't view herself. She's not relishing in this hero light that people are putting her in. It just seems like she just, she wants to pick up the pieces and just move on. You know, she's. She just wants to be left alone. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and everything investigators found seems to point to this was not his first time. This is something that he's done before. The day after the attack, Heather left her home and started to go through her neighborhood looking for Fancy because we obviously all need to know what happened with Fancy. I know. Thank God this is... Thank God we know. Yeah. A neighbor approached her and told her that they had found Fancy out the day before and took her in to keep her safe. Heather was beyond relieved, and the two went back home to start down the road to recovery. Ugh. Two found her doggy. I know. You know what? There is such a reason why dogs are the, like, great emotional support animals, because they take so much stress away from you, and they make you feel secure and safe. They they know when you're upset or not feeling good, and they come, you know, like, she needed her. Mm-hmm. Absolutely needed her. Of course. I'm just so glad that on top of everything else, she didn't lose her dog as, you know, like, can you imagine? Mm. I know. Like, that is the absolute last thing she needed. Absolutely. I read somewhere recently, speaking of how precious dogs are, that their heart rates increase when they see their owner. It's like they did a study and, you know, they took their, to, separated the animals from, or the dogs from their owners for like a, like five hours, four hours, and then brought the owners back in and they got, you know, beyond excited. Like mm. their heart rate would increase so much. They did it with strangers and they weren't, I mean, that was excited, right? Obviously. But also a rush of, is it a boost of serotonin or um, something like that? Uh, dogs get that when you tell them you love them. Aww. They did a study. I know when they hear I love you, they get like their hearts swell. Really? That's what it said. Wow. I told Apple I loved her this morning and she sneezed at me <laughs> and didn't even wag her tail. So <laughs> it's like, excuse me. Well, there you have it. I Apple know. don't give no fucks. And then she farted on me. Yeah. I love fart. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs are perfect and precious, and I'm so glad that Heather was reunited with Fancy. Yes. Oh, so sweet. hmm <sighs> That's it. That's it, you guys. Yeah, that's it. This ended on a better note than some that we have 
covered? Is there a need for a palate cleanser here? Mm, I mean, if you've got one, why not? All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's see. I think if you can find it in your hearts, go watch Bedazzled with Elizabeth Hurley and Brendan Fraser. Oh my gosh. I love that movie. Somebody's had too many martinis. Like, <laughs> it's such a good movie. And I freaking love Brendan Fraser so much. <laughs> I love him. I've seen recently seen a thing that said, like, um, Brendan Fraser's comeback. Like, why are we saying he had a comeback? We have not been, we haven't stopped watching The Mummy. We watch it like twice a year, every year. So we have, this isn't a comeback. We've been representing Brendan Fraser. And I'm like, Twice a year or twice a month? Right, yeah. I've been watching it twice a month. Mm-hmm. Is that bad? Of course it's not bad. Okay, okay. I need my Brendan Fraser fix. I just love him so much. But anyway, I think that that should be the movie to put you feeling right again. Heck yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. But thank you guys so much for listening. We love you and adore you, and we hope you have a great rest of the day, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening, and we will meet you back here next week. Bye! The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloan Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at killerqueenspodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. 